Hey everybody, this is Brian Slagle from Metal Blade Records and we're hanging out this month with the guys from 3 who have a brand new record out called The Ghost You Gave to Me. It came out a couple weeks ago, check it out. So welcome, first of all, thanks for coming out, hanging out with us. We Thank have Joey, you, say hi Joey. Hey, how's and it we going? we have Chris. How's say it going everyone? From the wonderful band 3 from upstate New York. So you guys are from Woodstock, right? Or nearby to Woodstock. Yeah, yeah. I was born in Kingston, about fifteen minutes from Woodstock. And, so, did yeah. you guys? You guys went, or did did you actually play at the Woodstock in '94? I did. Yeah, nice. I played on on Woodstock. That was my only other gig in front of fifty thousand people. Yeah, but, uh, I did too, but uh, I wasn't in three. Yeah, he was he was in a different band playing. So, what was it like playing? First of all, it's in your kind of your hometown. First of all, which is amazing, and then playing in front of that many people and the, the whole thing. How how was it? Was it great or was it a night? You also heard it was kind of a nightmare too. It was, you know, like I was really young, you know, I was really young, and uh, I mean, my brother was, I think, You're five, I think. Yeah, five. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, my brother was—he uh, was thirteen years old, and uh, we we had actually been playing for a few years at that point, and had kind of established ourselves as as a really interesting trio um, doing some some cool stuff musically. They were like Hanson, but really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hanson. Uh, just kidding. I'm uh, kidding. Damn it. How, uh, <laughs> how did you get the gig in the first place? Well, uh, Hanson helped you out? Michael Lang, um, the, the, uh, the guy that is the original promoter of the original Woodstock. The Michael Lang. He heard some of my four-track recordings, and he was like, this is great. He's like, I could, you know, I could do something with this. So we started with this whole plan. You know, this is where it all, all started, you know. I mean, I was like... I should have been signed years ago, at the, you know, at this point. But, um, you know, he had a whole plan of he was going to break the band eight o'clock on Friday night. We were the featured plot in uh, the Woodstock '94 movie. We had a whole, you know, we were going to have like a good twenty minutes in that film. Oh, like they followed wow. us. We had a camera crew following us around everywhere we went. And what happened? Um, what happened was it, it got like really kind of weird politically. Like all the other local bands, like. Got really pissed, basically, that oh, we wow. were that we were going to get this slot because it wasn't a, we weren't getting the slot because we were a local band. So you were learning about the politics of the music business. Oh, yeah, early it was, on. yeah, it was yes. brutal. And then and then what we had to face was I that, wasn't mad that uh, well we we got these guys their gig because Michael Lang was like, well, who else should I put put on this show? And we were all like, oh, you got to put Peace Bomb on. They're hands down like the the band that needs to be on this. Um, but you know, I mean, I guess long story short is like you know we we took a lot of shit because. We were kids, you know, and we were young, and, and people didn't believe that we were writing our songs. And it was so frustrating because, you know, we wrote these songs, we, we did the rehearsing, and people would see us and say, like, oh, there's no way they wrote that, you know, or thought, thinking like we were put together, you know, like a boy band or something, but we were just like a real band, you know, we just happened to be young and, and, yeah. and talented. And uh, what ended up happening was we went from breaking the band at 8 o'clock on Friday night to uh, going on at noon. <laughs> and uh, it was a circular stage that rotates, and and so we were on the other side of the the stage. And I remember like the stage rotating, and you start your song, so you're coming around, you see the audience as you're playing, and so we're we're playing. It's like oh, wow, this is really oh my god, look at all these people, you know. My brother was like was sick to his stomach. I remember yeah. he was so nervous. Um, and then we hear like, all right, give me some kick drum, boom, boom, boom. 
snare, crack, crack, crack. And this is the other band on the other side of the stage sound checking. But somehow it's coming through our monitors while we're playing. Awesome. And it was just like, uh, are you kidding me? All this like build up, you know, for this big show. And we, uh, you know, we had a a high minded idea. We were going to like, they were charging such high prices for food. So we got all these food donations to like hurl off the stage to the audience. (laughs) But no one was hungry yet. So it just turned into like a massive food fight. Uh, <laughs> well, you learned a lot that day. I did. You? I did. Indeed. Learn a lot. So now we'll fast forward a little bit ahead. So when exactly? Tell us exactly when Three first started and became a, a, an actual band. Um. Well, I mean, it was it was a band from the day we uh, we said uh, we sat down to play. We needed a drummer, and my dad whipped out a snare drum, and I, I grabbed my little brother Josh, <laughs> and uh, he happened to be pretty good at it. <laughs> so. I mean, it was a band from from that day forward, um, but we didn't become, you know, we didn't have any kind of a national presence until uh, you know right around two thousand five, you know, when we uh, when we signed with you guys. You know, well, but even before you came here, you had some other records that you put out. Yeah, yeah, we did, we did. We were uh, on a label called Planet Noise, and uh, you know, we'd been through the whole. Uh, you know, get signed to a big label. We were signed to Universal Records for a minute. Heavy D was our A and R guy. <laughs> oh wow! And he was like, "I see you guys in camo." <clears throat> and I just remember thinking, like, um, I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> um, but I was like, "Hey, yeah, whatever it takes to uh, get my music out there," you know. And uh, you know, so we went through that whole trip. You know, you get signed. Suddenly, everyone disappears. You can't even find your A and R guy. Yeah, and then they boy. fire the entire staff, and no one even knows who you are anymore. <laughs> And boy, I've hit, yeah. that, you hear that story so many times. It's uh, unfortunately the reality of the music business, which is not a good reality for a lot of a lot of people, for sure. Yeah. But when you were putting out the the earlier records on the, on the smaller label, it was a little bit more of a kind of acoustic vibe to it, a little more folky. So as, as things have progressed with the band up, up till now, it's gotten slowly heavier and slowly more progressive. Yeah. How how did that? come to be or is it just kind of the natural way these things happen well the the funny thing is is there's there's whole eras of the band where we didn't make records that so people don't aren't really aware of what we were doing but in the earliest uh you know days of the band was actually some of our heavier and more progressive stuff we were doing some really avant-garde just you know some pretty bizarre stuff and, and it was intricate and there were a ton of changes and and we sort of got really into that and then we kind of got really into something else like you know now then we got into songwriting and it's so it's sort of been a process of you know exploring this this that we just wherever like our, the muse sort of carries us and then when it came time to, uh, to make Wake Pig it was sort of like this moment where we came back full circle to a little bit more of like um, you know the rock and progressive side of, of what you know we were doing in the early days but we had sort of Really evolved more, like as as songwriters. So I felt like we were able to sort of combine. Well, do you think? T- I think too, because you're so amazing musicians. I mean, Chris is an unreal drummer, and you kind of have that that capabilities. That I, I would think that that would lead you to go in that path too, just to kind of flex your musical muscles, right? Definitely, yeah. To to you know, I think we we're in a place now where we've always sort of meant meant to be. You know. Uh, it's aggressive, and, and like you say, you get to flex a little bit, but um, 
the songwriting has come to a point. So I think it's all sort of come to this point where we're sitting very comfortably musically. And it's heavy, it's ambitious, but it's uh, very melodic, too. Absolutely. It's interesting to me, too, that it's kind of progressed, you know, progressed to be more progressive. And that there's kind of now this progressive scene, too, like... We've talked before about three not really fitting into anything, which is always which is a great thing because you want to be unique and different, which is why so many people love you guys. But then it also is difficult because you gotta you gotta be in a scene to get people to be into it. And now all of a sudden, you're kind of in this progressive scene. Like all the progressive magazines and websites have really, especially on the new record, really been freaking out about it. So, yeah. are you happy to kind of play that role in, in that scene now and, and be a part of it, or is it kind of weird for you guys that wow, we're actually part of a scene now? <laughs> I'm happy. Yeah. I'm real happy. You know, I, I think that you have. I mean, at some point, you know, you don't want to be too much of an outsider, um, and I think it's good because p- it, it allows people to actually, you know, hear you and be able to write about you. And to uh, to an extent, they have to be able to, you know, call you something. Uh, so I'm I'm happy with with the latest sort of categorization. Yeah, I mean, me too. I mean, I I feel like uh, it's a good, it's a good place to be in. It's good, you know, even though at the end of the day, it's like three is really its own thing. But I feel like we can be that and be, live under the label of being progressive. Cool. Well, let's uh, check out a track from the new record. This track is called Numbers off the new three record, The Ghost You Gave to Me.
So we just heard numbers. <clears throat> you guys can check that out obviously here on iTunes and purchase the whole record there if you'd like. And see the, by the way, amazing reviews of it so far too, which have Thanks. been pretty incredible. Don't thank me. Thank the fan. Thank the fans yeah. doing that. So tell thank us a little bit about fans. numbers. That definitely, certainly to me, seems like the heaviest three song to date. I think. Yeah, classic um, three. It's classic three. It's got a lot of different elements that somehow come together um, and, and work. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I think you laid down the beat. I came up with like this little primacy sounding like groove on the guitar that it seems like everybody thinks it's bass. But it's not. It's guitar. So that beginning, the beginning part is not bass. It's guitar. That's I guitar. thought it was bass too. Yeah, oh, wow, everybody thinks it's bass. It's, that's yeah. me. That's me. That's me. Stop giving Daniel all the credit. Excuse me. He doesn't play like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when Daniel does kick in, though, he, uh, Daniel actually wrote the chorus riff. Um, that really, the really heavy riff uh, when that comes in, and then Billy um, came up with this great sort of counterpoint thing going on in the background of the riff, like. Which are actually like the these like eerie chords from uh, the uh, that old show Land of the Lost. Oh, Do yeah. you remember that? Yeah, well, yeah, like, yeah. there were like these like lizard people that were simultaneously like from the future, like, yeah, but very the past. bad makeup. And yeah, oh and yeah, stuff. yeah, it was the like, worst. Yeah, yeah, the worst. <laughs> Maybe that could be the the high times. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but um, anyway, he he kind of like he he kind of used those similar chords and played that over top of what we were doing, and it was just such a ill combination. But it was really cool and then that evolved into what became um, that really uh, heavy outro which uh, once we yeah. finally got in you know we laid down a great drum performance in the studio and then uh, and then I kind of sat down with it and, and just re- really worked on uh, I love to sit down with Chris's drums and kind of build my guitar part and build the heavy riffs to sort of reflect you know his choices and kind of like what's the way to really maximize that and it just really just kind of opened up into this pretty heavy, heavy thing that, you know. Cool, yeah. Ma- amazing track. I mean, I, the, yeah. every song on the record is amazing, which is <clears throat> awesome. I love that track, too. It's just a lot of disparate elements that work together. Yeah. Yeah, for a while, I mean, that was pretty much my favorite track, you know, just because, you know, even, uh, you know, vocally, it was the same situation where I had no time. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... Um, but you know, there's something about that when that happens. When you've you know you're in there and you know like, all right, I have, you know, ten hours left. I gotta, I gotta do it. I gotta make it happen. And I guess that's the you know it's interesting because so many people have their home studios. They can kind of make records forever. There's I guess there's something to be said about. And I've always said this too. You know, the pressure of being in the studio and having a finite amount of studio time pushes you to get things done. So I guess that's yeah. case in point there, kind of. That's true. I mean, certain certain songs. I would work all day on two lines, <laughs> you know. I mean, just just coming up with the right lyrics, and you know. But then, you know, some of the best stuff is is just when you crank it out, and you're you're not thinking at all. You're just doing it. And the overall process of of recording the record, so I get from all the way to start to write it to record it. Was it a longer process, shorter process, easy, difficult? Like, how did the whole thing kind of flesh out? Um, you know, this was a longer. A longer process. I mean, we had the ideas, and they were ambitious. So, um, you know, we had to rehearse uh, quite a bit. But there was also just like we would hit record, and you know, a lot of times it'd just be me and Chris, yeah. and we would just record hours and hours of of uh, just you know having fun doing our thing. And then, 
you know, the thing about doing that, then you have to take hours and hours to listen to it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, right. Uh, and so, you know, that's the real key is, is sort of culling through that and finding, like, ooh, we're onto something there. And, oh, yeah, 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 like right. that. Ooh, let's, let's chop those pieces up and see, put those together and see, uh, oh, yeah, this could, this could work. And then what we do is we, we basically relearn what we improvised, which is um, a lot harder than you would think. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, y- you really weren't thinking about what you were doing specifically. And then you have to kind of go and, and learn it and, uh, and sort of take, uh, take control of it. Yeah, we were, I mean, we would spend hours getting in the zone before we hit record. You know, and so we would get nice and warmed up and... Uh, be chasing some ideas um and then once we felt like we were really in the zone warmed up and that the ideas had entered the room then we would hit record and go for you know another length of time um and like you say you can't go for two you know you, you got to call through that so you know you get in the zone then you hit record you play for another half an hour an hour and you examine that and that's how a lot of these songs came together. Yeah. And it's a, an amazing way to write. It's, it is a great way it's to write. It's an organic way to write. But it's also, it becomes the challenge lyrically then, when, you're, when you write that way musically, to take that and really turn that into a song, you know? When you're writing, is it always the music first and the lyrics, or vice versa, or is it kind of go both ways? No, how does it's, that process uh, go? It, you know what? I mean, my attitude really with anything creative is you, you, is get out of your own way and don't decide that like, there's one process for writing. It's like if it's going to happen whatever way it's going to happen. And, uh, you know, we have fun doing it that way. But then there's other times when uh, I'll just get a melody and a lyric in my head. And then I'll just, I'll, you know, scramble to find my guitar and figure out, all right, you know, what, what chords, what are the right chords for this? Like, what is... What does this melody want? You know, so there's times when it starts with the melody, and you end up with something like React, which is like a very melodic type of tune. Then there's times when it starts with the music, and you end up, you know, with something like It's Alive or Only Child. You know, something that has, you know, a bunch of scene changes musically, and and those are the tougher ones to to really um, to really nail. Like vocally and, and lyrically, those—that's where most of my time went. Was on the more progressive stuff to really, because I really wanted it to not just be pr- progressive musically, but like lyrically to to really carry a thread through all of that. That that's gonna you know keep the listener. And did, how much of this did you write in the shower? <laughs> <laughs> Any um, ideas come there, or is that just a myth? No, I'm a, I'm a, you know I'm a big shower guy. <laughs> ask, ask, ask anybody in my band. He's a big shower guy. They call it Splashdown Kingdom. When See, I when I get out of the bath, all, all the good music comes when you're in the shower. That's why yeah, it's, it's true. I love singing in the shower. It's uh, the steam. It's a big part of it, you know. It's, but uh, it's, yeah, I drive these guys crazy with the steam. <laughs> like if if we're in a venue and there's a shower, chances are I've got the shower on and I'm in the bathroom yodeling or something odd. You know? Yeah. Well, hey, whatever it takes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like you said, whatever works is yeah. makes, makes complete sense. Yeah. Exactly. And it's and you never know where inspiration's gonna come from. Um, yeah. um I mean I I got a few ideas, but if it's you know if the shower's inspiring to Joey, then so be it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever's gonna make it work. Yeah. So 
Speaking of showers and on the road, you guys are a phenomenal live band. Anybody hasn't seen them, you have to go see them because it's quite an experience. What's it like? Do you guys like being on the road? Is that fun for you? It, it, is being on stage fun? It, I, I'm going to have to guess kind of yeah because you seem like you're so into it, but <laughs> yeah. you never know. Yeah, no, being on stage is, that's, you know, that is... It's every, our strong suit. Yeah, everything, all the work that goes into it, I mean, that's like the moment when we're free, you know, when we're finally on stage and playing music. Um, then there's the, you know, there's that hour but then there's, you know, the other 23 hours <laughs> where, uh, you know, yeah, a few of them I might spend in the shower, but, uh, you know. Um, but give us an hour in the yard. Yeah, give us an hour in the yard. We're happy. And, uh, we, you know, we can take it as long as we get that time on stage. Now, when you're writing and making the record, do you envision how this stuff is going to go live? Does that play any part in, in how it goes? Or you just kind of figure all that stuff out later? I think you got to keep it in mind. Um, to a certain extent, like when I record, I try to, um, sometimes I have guitars that have no strings on them, so I'm singing and going through the motions of playing the chords, but I'm not actually, you know, making any sound to, to mess with the recording. Um, but, you know, it doesn't always necessarily work out that way, and, and on this record especially, I have um, pushed my boundaries uh, to a point where uh, you know, I was writing writing some some of the guitar stuff that, you know, I you know I, I had to practice to to be able to play that, and then then I would come up with vocals on top of it, which would be, you know, pretty some pretty complicated stuff, and then to do them both at the same time, you know, it's a process of of getting yourself there. But for me, like that's what it's all about. Like I wanna, I always want to push, you know, to that next level for every record. So that's that's part of the fun. Absolutely. Now, when you're making a record, is it the tr traditional way where Chris will lay down the drum tracks first, and then you'll do bass and guitar and vocal, or do you do it more live? Or how how did that? I guess specifically on this record, how did that go? Uh, you know, it's very similar to the way we approach writing, is in that like it's kind of almost like different songs want different um, you know means of of doing that. So, song like Numbers, we you know basically laid that down live. Um, you know, with basic guitar tracks and stuff uh, in the studio, and it was an instrumental, and we were all psyched about it. And then we took that, took that home, and I, you know, I flushed out some more guitar stuff, and uh, you know, developed the bridge a little bit more, and then came up with the vocals um, after the fact. So there was no singing going down when we recorded that, um, the the uh, the music. But then again, um, you know, a song like React. React was one of the first things. Uh, when I finally sat down to start recording, that was like one of the first songs that came out, and it kind of came out as a guitar, vocal, type thing with like, the whole intro leading into it, and uh, so that was a tune where I had kind of nailed down my basic parts, and uh, and then I would just ha you know have Chris come over and he would uh, basically overdub on top of me, and uh, or I'd give him a CD, he'd go home with that CD, and you know put it on his iPod and, and practice to it. And, uh, and it's a really cool way to write because, um, you know, you get a chance to kind of explore your ideas on your own and then you come back, bring your ideas to the table and lay them down and we record them. And, uh, are you demoing these tracks first? And if you do, are you, like, how are the drums a drum machine and then you go from there or it changes up in the studio and recording the drums? Because it seems like it's pretty intricate. 
Um, you know, no, we uh, don't. Every once in a while, like if I just need to hear a beat or something to play to, yeah, right. there might once be a drum in a while. machine. But usually, like you know, uh, I don't usually put any drums on unless I really can't resist the urge to play the drums or something myself. <laughs> That's the drummer's job, yeah. right? <laughs> um, yeah, I try not to, to step on... I, I try to leave it open so that, you know, Chris gets a chance to put his spin on, on you know, if we're doing it from that. There have been instances, though, where he has tried to emulate what he thought I would play. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's... I've got, you know, my own inner... On a drum, drum machine or, or just a performance. And then I would come back and sort of reinterpret it. So, yeah. you know, they're, they're kind of... Afterglow was a good example right. of that. Yeah, that's exactly right. So he's free to go like, no, that's not right. Oh, I got to play it my way. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, I mean, my attitude is, if we're arguing about a song, then awesome because that means we both care about it. So yeah, you know, at the end of the day, always keep that in mind. Now, as a drummer, Chris, do you like being in the studio and that process? A lot, a lot of drummers aren't particularly enamored with that. Ah, uh, I, I would spend. 20 hours a day in the studio if you let me. I, I, I really love it, yeah. I, I, uh, I feel like time flies. Um, I like the challenge of it. Of, I like the whole process. Um, so, yeah, I'm really into it. Um, and, you know, the end result, the, the, the payoff when you finally mix a record is, you know, it's all very gratifying. Um, but it's it's hard. It's not easy to sound good on record. Much easier to play live than it is to sound really amazing on record. Absolutely. Well, especially you gotta you know you gotta make it sound. Now, do you guys use click tracks or any of that nonsense, or is it just kind of more of a feel vibe? Uh, we do both. Uh, some songs were cut to a click, and some weren't, and some. Drum tracks we brought in ourselves and and recorded like half the song ourselves and half the song in the studio. So th we sort of do it all, you know. And are you guys happy with the final result on this record? Extremely happy. Yeah, yeah. I think sonically, it's it's we've kicked it up a notch. I think musically, we're right where we need to be, and it sounds. You know, it, it, it's you know er, everything about this record. I think is our best, and um, I wholeheartedly agree on that. So, guys, definitely check out the record. It's phenomenal. The Ghost You Gave to Me by Three, and we've got you. a video coming up for the song High Times, which will be sooner or later, sometime this year or early next year, as a release date. And then upcoming, even quicker than that, is the tour with Cynic. So, tell us a little bit about that. Oh, we were uh, really excited when we got the news that uh, we'd be getting to tour with those guys because I think it's a great combination musically, and um, you know I think our fans, uh, our fans are already fans of theirs, <laughs> you know, so there's going to be a lot of crossover there, and uh, you know it's just going to be great, great to be back out on the road again. Yep, Cynic Three Scale the Summit. I think it's a good package. Um, it hits a lot of our favorite towns, um, coast to coast. North American tour, and uh, we got the new record out, so it's all kind of just perfect. Absolutely, timing is great, tour yeah. is great, you're playing all the right places, so yeah. fun. So, definitely check that out. Go to metalbite.com to see the tour dates. You can go to the three webpage, which is the band3.com. The band3.com. 
Follow them on Twitter at officialband3. And uh, check them out on Facebook and all the other good places, too. Check out the tour. It's going to be amazing. You'll see the video coming up soon. Definitely check out the record. It's really great. The Ghost You Gave to Me, brand new record by three. Thanks, you guys, for hanging out on our podcast this month. Thank you. Appreciate that. And we'll see you guys on the road. And when they're on the road, come up and say hi. They're really nice guys. They won't bite. We'll see you out there.